1: Hi guys, welcome to Adulting. This week I'm joined by Jessica Foster-Q. Well, gosh, well said. What? Your name? You just said my
2: surname right. Was it No good? one ever does that, yeah. Oh, thanks.
1: I, it's probably because I've practised doing my own name. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> it's quite hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Jessica is a comedian. She's also a fellow podcaster. Yeah. What other strings do you want to add to your book? You just told me Atta. loads of stuff you do, actually. You were talking about writing,
2: yeah, producing. Yeah, I do
1: Oh, I don't do any producing. What did you organise someone's show Oh, I direct some directing. Shows
2: that's the one. So, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yes. The well, same. Oh gosh, don't you? I do not produce. Oh, I direct. <laughs> yes, it's very similar. I think it probably, um, it's just helping people with writing their Edinburgh shows sometimes. I do. That's fab. I do that.
1: And so I basically, I actually reached out to Jessica to come on, on adulting and then she was like, let's do my podcast too. So I've been we've in done your that. house. We've been
2: podiamorous.
1: Yeah, we have. I yes. love that. Um, and now I, we've kind of talked about everything in the world. And I've forgotten. We'll find some
2: more things. We've to talk got some about. more
1: things. So the main, the main ethos for this podcast, Jessica's podcast, is all about your relationship with food, eating. Yeah. Do you want to explain a bit more what you do about yeah, it? Yeah,
2: I mean, i I my only concern with saying that is it's just about eating. And yes. My only concern to say it's about your relationship with food is because I think that sounds like it's more of an informed thing than it is. I'm oh, yeah. a comedian and not a nutritionist or a therapist or anything like that. So it's just um it's all about I think there's enough things in the world about food um and I think lots of people are very confident about saying I mean almost everyone says I love food yes but not many people say I love eating yeah I don't really care what it is I like the act <laughs> and the feeling Yeah, um, and I really do I really love eating as much as I love food I don't hate food I wouldn't just eat a shoe <laughs> um but i do um i think there's room in the world for a little bit more honesty and a little bit more joy to be taken yes out of this thing which we've made very emotionally complicated i say we've made it's been in, imposed on us in a million ways um but just remembering that eating is a social thing a fun thing a necessary thing uh a way of loving lots of incredibly positive and brilliant things and also i think eating something that everybody's got like interesting or funny or uh, moving stories and opinions about so, yeah yeah that's why someone who's totally unqualified in any kind of in terms of how healthy things are or um oh, i mental health issues around eating is doing a podcast about eating
1: (laughs) but that was when I first listened to it and you literally said that thing of um I don't just love food I love eating Mm. I've now tell everyone anyone I meet that there's this women's podcast and I love it because you say that because it's that's exactly how I feel and I've never had the words to say it because people say I love food and I'm like no I really love food and this (laughs) person who told me they love food will like pick at a start I think you don't you don't love food. They do love food. They don't love eating. And that is yeah. like, I've never heard anyone put it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's They've just tasted in it you. now. Yes. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay.
1: But as you say, like everyone has this relationship with food, which is much more complex because there's also like a massive shame attached to admitting mm-hmm. that you might find food difficult, which is quite lovely because you talk about it really openly on the podcast yes. that you're like, it is a really complicated relationship. And as you say, it's that you've mentioned a few times as well, the problem of, If you have an issue with food, you can't just stop eating. Yes. Because you literally have to eat.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you become addicted, not that, you know, I've got no idea. In terms of food addiction or any of those things, I don't know whether those are real things. Um, Even, they might be. Um, But I think that, uh, you know, if you are, if you uh, have a problem with how much alcohol or you drink or if you smoke or if you use, you know... a a recreational drug to excess and you know you need to stop or it's harming you you as a rule the advice is to stop yeah um and you can't with eating no so it makes it i think a million times more complicated so it's this relationship also you know if you're in any bad relationship you walk away all the people who love you will say please stop drinking please leave that man who hurts you um i don't know why i made it a man (laughs) Uh, could be anybody is. hurting anybody. <laughs> I mean, probably because it usually is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right, uh, you can't do that with eating, and so it's that relationship you have to stay in, yeah, which is, I think, what makes it s- special and horrific,
1: definitely. And do you, what's your, how do your really, how's your relationship with food changed? What was your motivation to, did the podcast, as you say, is about enjoying food, mm. but you must have got to a place where you were able to talk about it enough
2: yeah
1: without it being kind um,
2: of- so I had a really interesting thing where some years ago I uh so my, in terms of, do you mean historically from childhood and stuff
1: or just whenever um I um
2: was a I've always been in a heavy body not a fat body um I mean I have had a fat body um I've never had a th- thin body I've had times where I've um disordered even very young from like 11 yeah 10 or 11 I, I, I- Probably about eight, nine, I was in a fat body. (laughs) And about 10 or 11, I just stopped eating. I probably started listening to horrible things in diet culture and stuff. I would start sometimes making myself sick and I would starve myself. I I remember long patches of just having an apple a day with my friends and I would just kind of goad each other on to see how little we could eat. And I passed out a few times. Um, and that's probably the smallest body I ever got in. And my, everyone in my family got very worried and, um, and, but sorry. <laughs> there's a teenage boy shouting to his friends in the road.
1: I literally love as elution. you start recording.
2: <laughs> Someone starts playing the drums I'm trying in to the the talk bends. about my small and my fat body. Um, anyway, yeah. And then uh, um, even with that, though, I remember when I was 11 going on holiday with my mum and dad, who were 100% on the rocks at the time. It's just before they properly broke up. But I'm... Um, we, or maybe they'd even broken up, but we decided to have a family holiday. We were in, on a Greek island, and I just hadn't been eating. And um, uh, I remember being coaxed back in. i just have my one meal. I'd just get a side salad at dinner yeah. time or a coleslaw or something while they had dinner and just eat that. And then I remember the day it broke. I just had four <laughs> ice creams. And my dad was like, do you want another one? <laughs> do you want another one? And I was like, yes, 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 yes. And it just sort of stopped then. And oh, And the mist cleared a bit. But I always would flip in and out so then i spent i'd say from my teens until my late 20s in a very familiar cycle of um restricting and binging restricting and binging restricting and binging all the while um not really paying that much attention to myself occasionally paying attention to my body i would my body would change very drastically i I would go up to, I don't know. I won't mention numbers. I would go up to definitely being in a, definitely a fat body. Um, and I would go down, Never, never to be in a thin body. But anyway, I it would be very fluctuant. I remember being very interested that when I got to university, at eighteen, I was in catered halls, and for the first time in my life, I had very, a lot of routine kind of imposed on me. Yeah. Um, and I would have breakfast and dinner at the same time every day, and because I didn't have any money, I would eat. Big, big breakfast and dinner. But I'd have the same thing. The catered halls, the food was horrid. Yeah. So, and I love every food, but I would have, like, the breakfast is fine, just, you know, some whatever, loads of toast and some music, like, tonnes and fruit and everything. And then at dinner I'd end up having, because the food was so rank, um, a jacket potato every single day for an academic year. Yeah. And I did, I did, and I was, e- oh, sorry, <laughs> and I was exercising a lot and stuff. And it was, sub- I was also heartbroken and in that year I lost a lot, a lot a lot of weight and I hated how differently people spoke to me when I really lost a lot that. of Really, you noticed that? I had a boy, I'm going to say boy, it was a boy, we called him Tory Dave. Oh God. And eventually Fascist Dave. Um, he had a union, Jack Flag on his door.
1: Oh no. And he
2: liked Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> and he... Um,
1: what uni were you, you at?
2: London School of Economics. Okay. And, Difficult. Um, yeah, and he—I was in intercollegiate halls, but he was at LSE. Of course, he was. Um, I bumped into him on the tube actually not long ago. Did you? Yeah, I pretended I hadn't seen him, but he said hello. Oh um, God. I thought we weren't—we weren't ever friends. Uh, he came up to me and said, "I just want to say." I think a transformation in your body is incredible, and I phoned my mom and told <gasps> her she could be doing so much better. And I gave you as an example. <gasps> and I thought you disgusting piece of shit, and did that was you... even at eighteen that I was able to that's hear that. So that's interesting. quite disgusting. And I remember just say, I said something to him like, "I'm still the same person, Dave. That's really rude."
1: That's really fact. Right, I've got so many things I want to ask you about, but yeah. with that, that's so interesting because when I first did my whole transformation thing that I talked about with you, and mm. people listening probably know that I had a personal trainer lost his weight. Loads of my guy friends who I still love to this day were like, Oh my god, and then you look amazing. And I loved it. I didn't Mm. once think, This is so oppressive. I'm suddenly in a smaller body, and men now find me more attractive because I'm more diminished or whatever. Do you
2: know? I didn't find men finding me that more attractive. And I think it's weird because I think I grew up in the countryside where this is amazing. I still think, I don't know whether it's still like this, and maybe it's just what it was like in the 80s and 90s. I'm 35. That people just didn't care as much about what you looked like. Right. We still had all the same horrible pressures of dieting and stuff. But I had a most incredibly good-looking boyfriend. He was a geek. But I, when I was at my biggest, I was never. I was never short of male attention. I genuinely, and so I think that's the reality of it in places where appearance isn't that important. No, but I. It was brilliant. I and then I got to London for union. Was like, oh, I think people have slightly different view on this here so it wasn't that so much that change of attention i think i would have been flattered yeah. by you know being fan- feeling fancied more it was that he genuinely seemed to be implying i had succeeded in life in some way
1: but mm, no but having, i like,
2: become smaller enough. i
1: don't think i necessarily was fancy How do I explain it? so i still think i still had male attention as mm. well but it was like when i got thin it was that it was that thing it was that thing of being like "Oh, well done you've arrived right. like this is where you should have always been because I was all—I never felt like no one fancied me before. But when I lost weight, it was like, "Oh look, she's here now." Yeah. Like you've done it. And I wasn't aware. Now, if someone said to me, "If I lost those weight," and someone said, "You look really good," that would irritate me. Yeah. But I didn't have the insight then. No. Nope. So I think at eighteen, for you to know that, is quite.
2: I remember just being, yeah, aware. Friends. Yeah, maybe. Now I think after that though, then I just sort of just naturally put a couple of those stone back on, and then I stayed around that in that body roughly, you know, give or take a pregnancy <laughs> um, ever since. And I love moving my body, love it. I occasionally fall out of love with it briefly. Yeah. I did during my pregnancy. Um, but I think now I'm in a place where I... So so essentially I I've been on a very, very long, slow road to the enlightenment i currently feel in terms of um, my relationship with eating and my relationship with my body Um, and i'm still on the journey
1: so what is the enlightenment that you found where's the place that you're at
2: i have um i'm kind of quite vegan but nowhere near completely Mm -hmm. i have quite a planty diet i love cooking i love eating it i love eating loads I love... Move- if I've got time to move my body every day, I feel like I've been given the most yeah. precious gift. I love it. Um, I don't love looking... I don't... I've still... I think it's just my personality. I'm not interested, really, in buying clothes and, yeah. and having photos taken of myself or watching myself as myself on things. But I i don't mind what i see in the mirror some days i quite like it yeah i feel confident in my bones i I think because i know i'm really strong and well yeah um so beyond that i don't really care i'm kind of in a in my life at the moment i'm in a long-term relationship so i don't particularly care how much people want to go on me or not yeah (laughs) um i just like i just feel physically i feel very powerful at the moment i don't overthink what i'm going to eat yeah um i plan in terms of sort of how my I'm self employed so my life's very hectic and chaotic. I should say chaotic. It's not very routine. So I do I roughly plan in terms of shopping and cooking what I'll have time to do when. Um but I don't you know I don't wake up in the morning and think I'll have this much of this and that yeah. much. I never wear anything. I don't and I including myself. Um I um yeah I think that's probably covers it. And then yeah, I I try and be Faintly, Oh, no, I won't say faintly. I try and be really without ever uh, putting too much pressure on myself because I I don't believe really in any absolute rules, which to some people is very stressful. But to me, that's where I found my happy place. Um, But I try and be mindful about where my food has come from so i so i eat lots of planty stuff yeah but you know i'm definitely not an absolute vegan i still eat fish if it's got that msc label on it i still eat eggs yeah um especially if i've got them from my mate benji's farm back in dorset where i'm from you know yeah yeah, yeah. i'm very lucky that i've got all these choices choices. yeah
1: okay a few things i want to ask you yeah I'm going right back to the beginning when you started talking. Okay, great, great, great. When you were eight, nine, and as you're saying that, it just reminded me that I remember reading, I don't know where I read it, about this girl that used to eat like five raisins a day, and she'd cut them up. And I remember thinking, oh, I could do that. That's a really great idea.
2: Mm. Where was it? Oh, my God, you've just reminded me. (laughs) For one patch, I would eat only a banana a day, and I would break the banana up, like, in... In slices, and then I would break each slice oh, up no. into like quarters, so, so that I could eat it extremely yeah, slowly. Yeah, slowly.
1: But what was it? Because it doesn't sound like your parents were the, the catalyst for you wanting to not eat, mm. or or were they, like when when the, where did that come from? <coughs> was it was it to do with your body? Do you think, or do you think it was just you get to a certain age and suddenly you're aware that girls aren't really eating, do you, or, do you, or do you not really know? There was an element of that, but
2: actually, no, I think it was definitely um, disordered eating from a place of bad mental health, even right. as a little kid. So, um, um, oh, how can I say Are you happy it? to talk about that? Yes, I, I'll find a way of saying it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I can, so from my, from, I had one parent who, let's just keep it vague. I had one parent who, um, um, though they had a great, relationship with food eating so was an inspiration in that sense had um totally you know it sounds ridiculous to say but very qualified mental health issues in the sense that a, a string of bad things happened to right. of my parents so, um and then they they didn't oh i suppose they didn't not cope with it well but ultimately there was some dis- there was a little bit of trauma going on at home around that right. age from a, when i was about nine ten 10. Um, also, my parents broke up around that time. But in terms of the most textbook reason, my um, and the other parent came from a, a mum who was Austrian and um, uh, basically brought up in such abject poverty in the war right. but on the wrong side, which yeah. is embarrassing. But um, oh, I've heard you yeah. talk about this. Yeah, um, she, um, but she was the most. I mean, she was the most fascinating and brilliant and generous character. My inter- grandmother. No. I did a grief cut, a podcast called "Griefcast," uh, where I spoke about. Oh,
1: do you know what? Her. I'm so massive? I think I've listened to like everything. Oh, <laughs> oh,
2: I've listened. Gary Adnley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she, um, she, uh, she was she because she was brought up in such abject poverty. She was uh, She found fatness disgusting, mm. and we talk about that all the time. But confusingly. The most inc- insane feeder I have ever met. She would not stop offering you food all the time. So, so as a result, my dad has taken on that mantle. He would take the piss out of her, and still will. You know, take the piss yeah. out of what she used to be like. She's no longer with us, but he's exactly the same. He will. He will. You'll walk past a fat child on a beach, and he'll make jokes about that sea manatee. That <gasps> he'll make. Dis- he'll make horrible fat-shaming jokes even about a child but when you're hanging out with him and and, and his relationship with food is basically awful he'll be like um he, he when you're hanging out with him he'll be like do you want a biscuit do you want a donut do you want a biscuit do you want a sandwich do you want some leftover mac- macaroni cheese do you want something like and his fridge is like piling out the stuff that's is half he gone overweight? After he's and stuff. no and he's never been overweight
1: interesting
2: so um but he
1: just so he feeds but doesn't eat um,
2: yes, yeah, yeah, sort of. I think he has patched... He would call himself overweight when he's got a right. slightly wobbly tummy. I
1: don't think that's uncommon, though, because I think fat phobia, it's only really now that we're probably, probably com- talking about it as though... as it's a real thing. Because mm-hmm. I think right up until about four years ago, you could have made any kind of fat phobic joke in oh, yeah, any yeah, yeah. situation, no-one oh, would totally, have reacted. yeah.
2: And he probably still can in those It's yeah. just not in our yeah. media bubble.
1: And then but then at the same time if it's your child obviously you'll want to give them things and giving food is one of those caring things you can mm-hmm. do for someone so i don't think that's as antithetical as it's like do you know in no, a funny way it's from that a place of kindness. that yeah. kindness. so
2: my dad and i had a massive fallout when uh, my son was only 4 months old we all went on holiday together which my dad kindly paid for it he'd got his redundancy money and he very kindly took us all to venice it was oh, wow. an absolute disaster uh, and <laughs> so he was at the time going through some um, some heartbreak and he was in a vile mood and he was very fucking horrible to everybody who's there and i was like we have to have a conversation about it and we got home we had this big argument and i didn't talk to him and this is bearing in mind his first and only grandchild is a tiny baby i didn't talk to him for like three or four months afterwards wow. i was like this is a f- horrible man yeah and you know i couldn't love him more it's my dad you yeah. know but he's a horror show in some ways And um, but he was just very very unhappy and mm-hmm. not being nice because of that unhappiness. So if I was really empathetic, he had his shit to deal with. Yeah. Anyway, we didn't talk for a really long time. And the way I knew that we had made up, he would never say sorry. He will never say sorry. He cannot. I think maybe 3 times in my life and two of them were on text messages said the words <laughs> I love you. He can't do it in yeah. words. Um he can just do it hammered in a text. Do you know what I mean? And the way I knew we'd made up after this fallout is um we went for a, a, a coffee where we pretended it hadn't happened and we talked all the way through it. And then he went, oh, by the way, this is for you. And he handed me a plastic bag full of food.
1: That <laughs> that's amazing. He was like, this is for so you and uh, Mikey of... and
2: Rudy. And it was just some ready meals and some stuff that he'd made. But I just a random bag of supermarket shopping for me to take back to London. But that's, was like, that's
1: textbook dads, dads that, that, you're d- forgiven. <laughs> that like haven't been taught how to show emotional... Yeah. Because my dad does that. I know that he'll be trying to say something and go, do you, do you need any money? And I'm like... <laughs> Like that is his way of going. Like, is everything okay? Oh, How God. are you? Do you know what oh, I mean? He God. doesn't have the language for it, but he's provided for our family since we look like he's the breadwinner. Yeah. So the way he gives to the family yeah, is money, money. And, th- and now I'm like, no, I couldn't think of anything worse. I don't my, want my dad money. used to
2: do that as well a little bit when he was when he was still working. Um, when I was a student, um, I was a student in London and he worked in London then. And we used to meet every week, not religiously, but almost every week, and we'd go for wagamamas for lunch. Amazing. And it was lovely. But um, one time I'd been down to his house with, his, with my half siblings and we'd had a Sunday lunch. And um, I can't remember what body I was in at the time, but his um, daughter, Amy, my half sister, was only like two or three at the time. And, um she was quite a naughty toddler um and she said once we just had dinner and um there were it was the question was coming up of who was going to have seconds and amy as a toddler went um jess <laughs> daddy says you're a big fat pig <gasps> daddy says you're a fat greedy pig <gasps> like and in that way i was like oh she's put you in that there, oh, God. Like, that's exactly how dad would talk about someone who ate a lot whilst having been the person that who made you it.
1: eat a lot that's and I was so absolutely weird.
2: devastated even though it wasn't surprised you know you look mm. back now like, of course that's how my dad would sp- speak about me yeah of course that is how yeah. he would speak about me um but you know even at 20 or whatever I was maybe 19 I was like I'm gonna I'll address this um and we went out for lunch in London to work at mama's and I said to him by the way, Amy, you know, she dropped you in it, didn't she? Last time I was down and he was, couldn't bear it. He can't mm. bear that conversation. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, she said that you call me a big fat pig, mm. a greedy pig that I, that you're a greedy pig. That's what, Amy? And he said, I would never say that. He could just, he could have <laughs> bear it. He was just like, I would, that is not how I talk. I would, I've never said that. She's made it up. Oh my God. And I was like, okay. So she's always making stuff up. And I'd never say that. And I was like, okay, well, there we go. And then anyway, we moved on. We spoke about everything else under the sun to get over the awkwardness. And then at the end of lunch, out of nowhere, he was like, oh, this is for you. And just gave me £100. Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: that is really funny. Just pay- Is that paying for your forgiveness? Funny. <laughs> I took it. <laughs> student. that is really funny but there's so many things there that I think like even my mum does it to me now and she'll be like god it's so what's she called you're like a gannet is that oh do you ever get that? yeah yeah just yeah. don't stop eating and I find it really funny and it must be down to their parents having had that restriction yeah because I just want to eat everything and like all of it if I have yeah. a packet of firebird, I want to eat the whole packet yes i don't understand people that don't want to do that whereas my mum's the other way around she's like i can't you can't just eat the whole packet of sweets and i'll be slightly stuffing the empty packet into the car door like fuck she doesn't see i've already eaten it we've just got in the car and that's that's definitely it's nothing about body weight it's nothing but it's about the actually act of eating it's not about the food it's the actual act of that that's impacted or impacted me a lot when i was younger without her realizing yeah that conversation around greediness when but it would be really the wrong context to use the greediness. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: And then I feel like now we're coming into such a different conversation. We were talking about earlier about the conversation surrounding like fatter bodies and fatness and eating. And I think it's such murky waters in terms of how I barely talk about food on my Instagram anymore because it's too political Mm. and too politicised. But when it comes to your relationship with food now, do you feel like you're still battling or trying to figure out what the right way to eat is or...
2: No, I think I know what the right way to eat is, but I don't, I'm always able to do it. Right. But I also don't care. Yeah. Most of the time I don't care. In fact, I remember having a funny conversation. So the reason I, I, so I have therapy and I've been through my disordered eating with my therapist and we'll sometimes go back to her with it and we'll catch up on how that's going and stuff. Um, but many years ago, I had a therapist after a heartbreak and, um, sort of c- quite apropos of nothing it seemed to me she said and what oh, i think maybe we've been talking about drinking so it wasn't at all but i um i'm quite good at just when i'm very very low go, or not even just a bit low i'm quite good at responding to my emotional state when it's bad yeah. by stopping drinking yeah um you know not forever obviously um so far but uh <laughs> you know just going like yeah a week or two That's off the lash yeah, yeah completely you know um uh it's definitely make it worse. You know, I'm, I want to feel how I feel. Yeah. About this. I'm very aware that That's booze good. can stop you doing. Yeah. That. I find that much harder to do with eating anyway. Mm. Um, uh, I didn't know that at the time and I'd never addressed it. And I was in this therapy session and she said, what about eating? Should we talk about that? And I was like, sure. And she was like, <laughs> So how are you with eating? And I was like, great. I love it. Bloody love <laughs> it. Absolutely fucking love it, mate. And, um, you know, and she was like, well, tell me what you've eaten today. And I honestly felt like she said, show me your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like the most intrusive question. I felt like being slapped around the face. I was just like,
0: oh, how
2: dare you? And I hadn't, I can't remember what I'd eaten that no. day. I don't think I'd had 15 pies. It was only halfway through the day. I, 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 I but the shame. Oh yeah. This wall of shame that came up when it came to someone asking me to give a list of what I'd consumed, and uh, I don't know, I, I genuinely, it's a hazy memory, but I think she moved on pretty quick. I wasn't ready to <laughs> deal with it. Um, but then years later, and i am start doing a podcast about eating, I thought, actually, do you know what? i better address that shit. Yeah. So I got into it, you know, I got into it probably about six months before starting the podcast with my, my current shrink. And, uh, yeah, and I... I remember, again, kind of being a little bit sideswiped by her, but she was spot on, you know, I talking about it, saying I'm pretty sure I've got issues. Um, and then she was like, well, here's some literature. I have CBT now, which is very sort of hands-on. She was oh, like, yeah. here's some literature. And the, the literature was all called Binge Eating Disorder. And I was like, "It's <laughs> excuse me? And the therapist before actually had given me an amazing book called Fat as a Feminist Issue. Which oh, is I need to
1: read that um, so But good. the
2: original version, which she gave me, like one of the 1970s versions, and it just had this massive neon writing on it that said, um, A Self Help Guide for Overeaters. <laughs> so I'd be reading that on the train with like <gasps> my hands over the <gasps> cover, That's like so for funny. fuck's sake. It's a little bit embarrassing. Uh, or is it, you know? Anyway, it's been a long fucking journey. And I would say that I am now in a place where I can. I'm better than I've ever been. I've got work to do. And the work I need to do is to make more time for my eating just so I can be slower and more listening mm, to myself. Yeah. But I'm glad that I've got to a point now where if I um, if I'm, I can hear my brain and not my body asking me for more food when I know that my body's full, I can have a really quick and effective conversation with myself about why my brain's asking for that food. Yeah. if And my brain asks for it a lot yeah I mean I've spoken about it on my podcast before but like initially in the therapy I know I was expecting all the stuff I was expecting you know if I've gotten very anxious um you know perhaps very I've had a horrible gig textbook you know you're miserable if you're very stressed um, but then actually the list just grew and grew and grew and once it was just mild relief <laughs> like I was in town and I'd, I'd had a writing job in the day and then I had a gig that evening I, could, I couldn't really be asked. yeah and I got text messages saying it'd been cancelled and it was just mild relief <laughs> and I was on my way home to to have dinner with my family and I was like genuinely my brain first thought of the mild relief was could get a burrito on the way home to have dinner <laughs> and I was like oh Great. But, even mild relief. But do
1: you go one way or the other? Because my sister and my mum both stop eating if they're stressed, anxious, whatever. I'm the other, opposite. No, 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 I opposite. eat.
2: I eat to No, to, I want it yeah. because it's nice and I yeah, love it. And it's comforting and it feels kind to myself. But what I do know is have that conversation. And even when I've gone, okay, so rationally, your body's full. Yeah. Sometimes I still have it and I don't oh, yeah, care.
1: Because food, I think food so has I, got like a few purposes. So I think food is one, it's first and foremost, it's fuel. Yes. Then it's enjoyment. Yeah. And then what was the other thing? Hot bloody teenagers again, sorry. Oh, they're definitely like five. Oh, they're years old. i I'm
2: still scared of them. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I think I always have to say that because there's, there's certain camps of the way that you have food, and sometimes food's really good for you and it's nutritious, and sometimes it is just because it's fun, and that's yeah. fine. It's just you've got to find stop because sometimes I think you're either in the camp of a lot of people, are either in the camp where everything is fuel, and that's like orthorexia, right. or everything is fun, and then you're overeating, and you've got to find that hashtag so balance. Is
2: that like fuel? Is like the um the orthorexic spectrum extremist? isn't that that stuff where you just you have. Three thousand calories a day or whatever but you just have it as dust for people that don't care about chewing or tasting
1: oh oh that sounds awful no i I mean it would be our idea it's like an obsession with healthy eating so they'll only eat like clean foods it's not actually um it is it is going to be qualified as a term soon but it is basically like a thing and i think i went through that from the other side and came through it um what was i going to say really quickly i've literally just lost my train of thought Oh, when you were saying about this really funny excited this the other day, someone asked me, what time did you have breakfast and what did you have for breakfast? And I immediately felt, again, like you said, attached for no particular reason. Yeah. I, do, I think I just had a normal breakfast. But my brain was going, if I say that... Why do that... you care? Like, yeah, why does it matter? I think yeah. there's something attached to women eating mm. that I thought, if I say this, will it sound like I've been restrictive? Yeah. Or will it sound like I've overeaten? What are they going to think about what I've eaten? Whereas a man could say they'd had a McDonald's breakfast or broccoli and kale and everyone be like that's fine whereas I think as a woman if you say oh I had a pack of starburst or I had whatever something about it's going to be wrong you're yeah. either going to have had you're too unhealthy or too healthy and I don't I, guys do have these issues but it's just not every woman I know has got, had some kind of disordered relationship with something that they eat yeah
2: it's bleak but we can work on it and I think there's the same thing with that oh what is it I'm going to say it wrong orthorexia, orthorexia. I almost feel like there's an imperative to keep some junk in your life as well, you know? Yeah. Enjoy it.
1: Well, I think... there's
2: great vegan junk food out there.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, there is good. Mm. I have tried... But then also calling it... I'm trying to get... I did this with you earlier, but I'm trying to start not calling things crap, junk, good, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like taking away. No, no, don't say sorry. It's like just trying to get that more wording yeah, with it because you not so think of that as moral wording yeah, but it absolutely is, is. you calling it rubbish yeah exactly you're and literally then you, calling
2: it rubbish food
1: and then you but know because, it makes feel rubbish but, but, but then but are we perhaps being a little bit too like making this world also yeah. safe
2: because if it's nutritionally rubbish why can't we call it rubbish food but not care that we've had some rubbish food yeah I know Well, that's we've like, been like look I haven't I definitely got no vitamins <laughs> off that you know or oh, whatever like deep fried item but it was blooming delicious. So it had value in that way.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing. But then the, it's the problem of, I guess all the time, it's what angle you're coming at it from. Yes, so it's, if it's true, someone, if you're a health person like yeah. you,
2: but I'm just a clown. Yeah. And I have reserved the right to call it junk.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just have to be, it's because you don't know who's <laughs> reading it or what they're thinking. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. then you will, if you call it junk food, there'll be some people who'll oh, be like, oh my God, I won't know? eat it because it's junk food. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So
2: you sort of have to have a, I will have to have the caveat of saying, I think it's nice to eat rubbish sometimes. Yeah. I think it's really oh, good. Oh, Keep your hand in on the rubbish from yeah. whatever you're doing.
1: But there's people who, I was listening to someone going, um, oh, they were like, I don't have sugar. Mm. And I was like, there's no way in hell you're not having sugar because there's no sugar in, sugar, so you yeah. can't not be having sugar. You might not be eating sweets, but there is sugar in every, like naturally occurring sugars in pretty much like Oh God, so I mean, things. especially
2: so my son's three now and there's so many stuff. So, so many, many stuff. stuff. There we go. Glad <laughs> I got that degree. Um, there's so many things that say no added sugar, and you're like, yeah, because it's already
1: full of it. Because it's mainly dates or so it's whatever, or it's
2: like compressed. You but know, that's it, where it,
1: the mor- morality thing's so funny because people will be like, oh, have this um, like healthy bar or whatever, it's not healthy. and they'll be. Well, it might be healthy in that it's more nutritiously dense. Because that's, that's the other language. Thing How that nutritiously
2: go... dense is a Snickers, though? I mean, they're oh, all a no, much, no. muchness to those, like, trick bars and all of that. I should uh, be careful, actually, shouldn't I? Not no, but actually that's is,
1: no, but that's exactly what I mean. So this is what's really interesting, is there's a difference between something being healthy and something being calorie dense. Yes. So we're like, oh, that's healthy. And when people say that, what they mean is it's low in calorie. Yeah. But actually, most of the stuff that's low in calorie isn't that healthy because it's got no nutrition in it. Yeah. So those bars you buy that are full of dates and nuts and whatever actually are nutritionally dense, got loads of fat and whatever. Yeah. But calorie-wise, you'd be better off having a Kit Kat. Yeah. But, but we conflate the truth. That's why it's got so messy with the language because we're like, this is healthy. Diet shakes and whatever are... Mm-hmm. they Because they're low-calorie. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult. But yeah. we have completely conflated the language. If we just called a spade a spade and said everything as it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would make it a lot easier. But obviously, a marketeer's dream...
2: And also that word healthy. I oh, mean, did yeah. um, Prep got a bollocking and had to take healthy off their main logo oh, did they? recently? Because they do sell some stuff that isn't. But who's decided that? Yeah. It, it, it does think like, do you know what? The word doesn't really mean No, anything. it doesn't. It, 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 just on its own. Yeah. In context, you know, if you said, I'm training to swim for six miles, this Kit Kat, is not healthy you can say probably isn't you're probably gonna have an empty nutritional value from it you probably get a short high and then it's not going to help you for swim all that time you're probably better off having something slow release
1: whatever whatever
2: you know but it's context yeah because actually there's going to be other times where it's like um i just watched my partner get off with someone else (laughs) and i'm already full but (laughs) (laughs) i want to feel nice for 10 minutes that Kit Kat's probably one of mental yeah. health wise, one of the healthiest oh, things sure. you could possibly do for yourself. But- Make it a chunky.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I completely agree. <laughs> and it's, but, 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 but what's stressing me out is that we've got such, well, wow, there's like a fear of being healthy now. Cause I think we've got, we've come so far for me, actually. Let's mm. talk about bodies in a minute. For me, what was so exciting, the reason I got into training was I so resonate with you saying you've always had a heavy body. Yes. Because I've never had... You know when little girls are little girls and they have skinny legs? Yeah. I always had legs. Yeah. I never had... Thanks. I wasn't like Bambi. I just <laughs> never had that. So that's where this fat shaming started because as a little girl, if I looked back... I was tiny. I was a child, yeah. but I wasn't this skinny little girl that most of the other girls were. No. So that's when all the fat, probably around eight, nine, ten, eleven, started. Mm-hmm. I wasn't fat. I just was heavy. I had bones and a body. Yeah. I always had a little body. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was never so that started from and such a say young big age. Big
2: boned, and actually, yeah. for me, it's i never had anything to do with that. I don't. I think I've got pretty average bones, yeah. but I'm muscly I've been yeah I've your always athletic had a muscly shape. set yes always and my son's got it yeah I watch it and like it's almost it stacks, I guess I was like know. stocky
1: yeah. yeah and it was that so for me at school I could never get skinny no matter how hard I tried so when I saw like people doing bodybuilding I was like buzzing this is like a body shape I can attain yeah and that was so exciting for me so going into that was great but now we've gone into in a funny way it's it, it's almost better that we're it's still about bodies but it's better that we're coming out of the the, the, the heroin cheek phase mm-hmm. that yeah. I grew oh up God.
2: with. Thank God we're coming out of
1: it. Yeah, because that was the Effie from Skins and like the massive thigh, that was my thing. But then we're still forcing people into bodies that just don't fit them.
2: No, exactly. And I think there's an awful lot of people and it's the end of disordered, it's the part of disordered eating which I still feel like I only he- hear about and talk about on very specialist podcasts, <laughs> um, like Food Psych and stuff like that. But overexercise is also oh, a yeah. type of disordered... You know, you're still a type of self-harm. Yeah. You, 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 well, you anything in excess Yeah, you know, and you'll... You know, I see I see my peers sometimes talk about going to the gym three, four times a day, and you think, yeah, you're, you're not... Three, you know, four times a day? But, but there's someone who... That's how they're telling the world of their anorexic, this particular person who ah. said that. And I was like, oh, you know, that's that's, that's really yeah, sad. That's that not... Sad. You know, they... It, it, it's just yeah, that's not ideal, is it? No. Um, and you shouldn't. I don't know. I think every now and again I have to check myself on it and go, "Are you going? Because why are you going? Yeah. You know why are you going? Is it going to make
1: you feel good? Yeah. What's it like being in? Because you you do you are on the TV. You are doing stuff.
2: Well, you. I mean, not that often. <laughs>
1: no, but you, are, you are in a position where you are in the media and you yeah. are. I guess it is that industry that does put a lot of pressure on it do you find do you feel that or not yeah
2: oh yeah and I feel a lot of conflict about it um in the sense that I think I know that if I um not that I I you know I'm I genuinely am woke enough about it to know that if I were to restrict to the point where I was in a small the smallest body I could get into yeah um I how do I put it there's a chance because of the way the acting industry is that I would get more work.
1: I, I'm, um,
2: and I'd say comedy as well, and others would argue. Oh. Me. My friend Sarah Pascoe is extremely successful. Genuinely thinks that I say I think there's still a problem with casting TV women in on TV as comedians, even who are they? They're, they're almost all still in very tiny bodies naturally or through uh, having a terrible life forcing that upon themselves Genuinely. generally really really sad miserable people or um or they're people occasionally who are like i'm fat and deal with it yeah brands yeah you know um and then but the those of us in between i don't think there's a, a hole's been carved yet, no, really. No, because for, it,
1: it's not, it's not um, enough of a of you to conform or you're really anti Yeah, I'm not statement. I'm no. not, yeah. You know, I'm, there's no... And there's no
2: need for one. There's no liberation movement no. on my... There's no hench liberation yeah. movement.
1: Do, do you know what's
2: so and it funny? And there shouldn't need to be. Is, but ultimately, yeah. I... So I feel... I do feel a pressure, but I'm not bowing to it. And ultimately, what will probably happen is I will just have a career where... Well, I can feel it happening now... I will do. I will love having acting, but if I get the main parts in things, it will be things I've written, or because I've hustled my way up as a comedian and I've grown my profile through stuff where my appearance didn't matter, like podcasting, like radio, like writing. And it all it, it I'll have to find the back. I'll have to come in through the back door.
1: But I've got an easily society conventionally body that people like. Yeah. People follow me for my body. I'm big for tr- I know for a fact, if Jeez. I lost weight, <sighs> nice. and I'm already small, that I would get more work. I know that. For- isn't that sad? This is one of the reasons why I want to be more. Inf- I don't really want to be in the, fi- the fitness industry in itself is fine. But online, if you're an influence, like Ooh. doing, I'm not going to do it. I can't be asked. I know I either go one way and I become body positive. But I'm going to say this, and I'm going to try and say it in a really careful way. I My body, as it looks, is a product of me eating and training how I like yes. and feeling good. Mm-hmm. If I put on weight not because of the weight, but because it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be happy. Yeah. And I'm because I wouldn't be training or eating how I do that fits. So I, I don't have to spend it. So either I would have to lose weight in a way that would make me feel uncomfortable and, yeah. or I'd have to put on weight in a way that would make me feel uncomfortable to be body positive, in which case I could, because you can do very well doing yeah. that. If I got slightly bigger and was less, I'm, I'm again in my industry in the middle like you're in the middle in yours. Yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, 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 so, sense. and I've thought about this before. I thought, well, I could go and do. I've seen girls doing. It. I'm like, I could go and do that body positive thing. Also, and like,
2: the other thing is, you're if you're happy and you know. I I now know. If you're happy and you don't
1: grab your hands. hands.
2: <laughs> if you're happy and you know it, eat what you want. Yes exercise when you want <laughs> and don't give a fuck when your mum makes a comment about your portion size. Exactly. Even at Christmas. <laughs> um, no, I think it's... Um, it just comes down to... I've lost my own thread. That no, I agree. The, yeah. the body that you're in, that's what I was going to say. I, I think just just that... I. I do come back to, I haven't weighed myself for so long no. now, but I did learn from the years of weighing myself and the years of trying and failing at diets or succeeding and then going back. I come back to the same weight. Your I'm body not has to say set it because point. someone might go, Oh, that's okay. That we're all different. Yeah. I come back to a certain weight yeah. or within a stone of it. Yeah. Um, depending on the time of the month and the and blah, 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 And, um, and that's, so that's the bottom in. And actually, you, if you are gonna, I can still do my career. Yeah, but um, there are going to be elements of it where I'm going to have to trick them. Yeah, or be they would just be wait for the change, wait for the change, ring the change, call for the change.
1: All we can do. Yeah,
2: we we mustn't change our bodies from the bodies yeah. we're in if we're happy. Yeah, and we're being kind and, to ourselves. And if
1: everyone did that, then it wouldn't be an issue. But that no. you can see that people aren't in their. You can tell when someone has. Do you know what I've noticed? So whenever someone pushes themselves to lose enough weight that they look like they're kind of verging on not being in the right body, you'll suddenly see the babe, oh, my God, you look so good, tiny. This Mm -hmm. is my least favourite thing. Whenever anyone that I follow loses weight, you'll see one of their friends will comment, you look so tiny. You know that's a compliment. That's not, why is that a compliment? Mm. You look so tiny. Oh, my God, you look teeny tiny, gorgeous, teeny tiny. None of my friends, but people that I follow that are in like, of like, celebrities kind of programs and all those, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Those, th- it, it's so funny because that's starts so outside the scope of what my girlfriends would say or my industry would say. Yeah. But I follow a lot of people that aren't in my industry yeah. and they still got that mindset of yeah. like, you look so tiny. Smaller better. Yeah. And I, I can't believe that that's the thing. And you can see that these people don't fit their bodies. Mm-hmm. You can tell that they're not being healthy and good. You can see when people fit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I find it really funny because it goes both ways because I, I do think with weight, there's nothing wrong, like as you said, everyone's got a different set point. There's nothing wrong with someone wanting to be bigger or smaller than they are if that fits their lifestyle. I agree, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's got, it's become so polarising that you can't even, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I completely agree. I know that I'd be more successful if I was, if I was thinner or leaner. And
2: um, when we say more successful, we mean we'd be giving more, more breaks money. by other people. Yes,
1: exactly. Um,
2: and that's not, necessarily a success. No, we'll it's make not. Our own.
1: Yeah. We'll make oh, 100 percent You have to make this space. Was it how, how much have I listened to you? Was it you saying about someone else was saying the exact same thing that the only oh no actually someone was saying they'd have the only way that they'd get in a part is if they write it themselves. But maybe that wasn't you. I well, just said that. You did no you did just say Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no you literally just it's said that. Two minutes ago, but, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I was listening to something either yesterday or the I other really day am. and someone said the exact same thing, but I can't remember if it was you or if it was a woman of colour talking about in order to make space, that
2: as well, yeah, much worse
1: than my situation. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it is awful that that is is such a massive, but the that's intersectional. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
2: I mean, God, I'm so fucking lucky in a million ways.
1: Yeah, but but I know, sorry. no, you're right. You are lucky. You're great. Um, but yeah, just the conversation around it's it's because what it is, the implication is, even if you're not fussed about your body, you mm. might get to a really good place where you're like, right, I feel great. I'm body mm. neutral. I'm not actually basing off. Because did you ever used to wake up in the morning and my first thought would be, oh, if I was thin, like before I even <laughs> yeah, thought anything uh, else. Really? Maybe not before I ever thought anything else. But then also, I think I've always, I've I've
2: always had it in a way. It's a gift. Um, But it's very interesting because of the career that I'm in. But I've always given, I think, maybe it's the countryside again, not that many fucks about what I look like. Yeah. And actually, no, that like, that thing where, and and I, you know, it took me till my, um it did take me till my teens to get, like, a pack of female mates, actually. I think it was a bit of, a, like, an oddball. I'd have, like, one or two friends, but be a bit of a drifter between groups at school. And then in my teens, I got this amazing group of girlfriends and, and they're still my friends, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. But... I have never been into that, like, getting ready for the night out. And I'm going out and my cousins are like... I've got cousins who are brother and sister who are like a brother and sister to me. And meeting up with the girl one, George, um, when she... Especially when she was at uni um, and to go out with her and her friends. And they would have to give me stuff to wear. I remember (laughs) going to see a friend in New York, even in my 20s, and she was like, we're going out. Like, it's a warehouse club. Like, and I was like, I've got a shirt she'd be like oh for fuck's sake you know wear this and just other people just have to dress me up and i have to go all right i can't bear it makeup couldn't give a fuck i my friend candice always looks amazing in like just like looks effortless i'm sure it isn't and i was like make i'm starting to get a bit more work where people are looking at me and taking pictures and stuff can you take a saturday morning out and just give me a lesson um and she very sweetly she's doing pretty well for herself as a birthday present instead took me round makeup shops oh fab um and they and had them test shit on my face and that and like she bought me one of like whatever one of each the things you have (laughs) (laughs) like you know what i mean yeah and um so i've just that was about three years ago and I just buy those same four things over and over again. They run out and I buy it again and they run out and I buy it again and I don't want to spend any more time. I might occasionally but, uh, think about this I'm actually really
1: that. jealous but it, do you know what? I, I'm so um, torn on this because I... I sometimes wonder whether it holds me back. No, because I I think you save so much time but then I also think I actually, funnily enough, I've thought this before, I enjoy the getting ready for a night out with my girlfriends more than the night out sometimes. Really? I find that so much fun.
2: I do if we're getting drunk. Yeah,
1: but we're drinking and Yeah, and ready talking. And and, and it's like, when you share the... I mean, and you're still I, actually listening to I think I'm stuff. enjoying it because it's like a film. When I... Especially in the uni, I live with, like, seven girls. We'd all be going through each other's wardrobes, throwing all the clothes, like putting loads of outfits on. It literally felt like you were in Clueless. And I can't work out if it's my conditioning or if I... Because I'm so conflicted about this gender thing. I'm like, am I... Am I, am I really just innately this feminine or... Because some days I'm not I don't actually give a shit about makeup, but I do quite like putting it on because I feel like Well now I think increasingly boys, teenage boys are enjoying it. Which
2: is lovely. So it's it's not, you know, it's not a gay thing. There are boys going like, oh, you know, taking time over what they're gonna put on. Maybe they won't admit it so much with their friends, but there are boys taking so much care over what they look like that they can't deny that that took it. I get like
1: feminist shame because I'm like, oh a little bit, because I think so for a while I actually kind of was like, I'm not gonna wear makeup, I'm not and then Mm. I actually was like, but I actually quite like it, and then I was like, fuck it maybe it is conditioning but at least I'm aware and I've questioned yeah. it um, I don't actually because I don't actually care if I have makeup on I actually just sometimes especially if I've got a lot of stuff to do if I put mm. makeup on it makes me work harder well I think also you can psychologically put, there's
2: something very interesting about um, you know the, the, the way you dress up for uh, your psychological mindset yeah. and it does bigger impacts on some people than others. I always put makeup on for a gig. Yeah. I've once or twice in 11 years I've forgotten my makeup and when I say put makeup on for a gig I mean in my car in the dark just yeah, before yeah. I go in or in the toilets in front of all the people I'm about to in front of. Or <laughs> like, on the train all up and around yeah. my face with people scowling at me because I should have made the time to do that slowly in front of my own mirror. Uh, whatever. I, I d- and I've panicked actually. I've really really felt to worried. For stage with that. Well, I don't know. I also just think uh, but I, I've, I've with that I didn't need checking on it. But every now and again, like my girlfriends from uni, my women friends from uni are all incredible women. They're successful, and like every now and again, one of them will just like have a little word. Like, I can't remember. Oh my, oh my girl, what two amazing groups of women! And I remember one of the ones from home from Dorset saying to me something once about like Jess, just, just, just try, just take the time to see if there's loads of food or hair in your clothes or like if your collar's all like down or whatever do you know what i mean like and yeah. i've just been going out with like half a kebab down my top and like one color collar a bit half up and down and i was like yeah do you know what i mean it is worth looking like you've <laughs> you've got a home and you've taken out a shower in the last month you know just take that and i remember once a friend coming to see me at the edinburgh festival and it was i think i was already doing solo shows and I was like, I was just going to do my show. And she was like, hang on, are you going to put shoes on? You've got flip-flops on. <laughs> and I was like, ah, wow. And she was like, how much are the tickets
1: to your show? And that
2: year; I think they were like a ten or something. And I was like, she was like, just put some shoes on, Jess. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> that is like, and and I had, it was just like these little things that they're not, not thrown shade. They're just people saying to me, take a little bit more
1: care. It's really and interesting. And I do think it could, there's yeah. something good
2: about taking the lip. It's
1: self-care. Yeah, I do know, think blah, when blah, blah, people, blah. someone said this on another podcast, I was, listening, I was like, so true. They're like, a woman who's really put together is when he smells really nice, but her hair smells different from her body. So she's obviously <laughs> like, oh, really oh, clean oh, hair. And yeah. that's when you know someone's, it's a bit like my sister, she's so put together. <laughs> and I do think you are a bit too, like. Well, this is it. It's a different mindset, It is, right? because you're like me. I'm quite messy. My sister <laughs> is a do- She's She'll come into my flat and be like, it's filthy and it will be, I'll have just spring cleaned. It's I'll be cheap. like, um, this to me is, she's next level clean. Right. I think being messy is a state of mind. And I once put on my story on my Instagram, I was like, do you think it's innate or you can change? And everyone's like, you're a fucking idiot. Of course you can teach, us, teach yourself to be more organised, more tidy. Yes. You can. Also, it's about your priorities. But yeah, I just don't think... A mess doesn't offend me. No, it's what you're offended by. But I think yeah. genuinely, once you're once you're you're choosing how
2: you spend your time, how you manage your time, yeah. it's about priorities. I did a my podcast, a Hoovering podcast with Faye Ripley off of Cold Feet yeah. and many other things, and she was very very funny and we had a real laugh. But at one point in the podcast, she said um, she was talking about how much more productive some of her friends are than her. Yeah. And um, bear in mind, I turned up to this podcast almost an hour late because I got trapped on d- underground on the Central Line. Oh. Oh no. the, it was in the heat wave <gasps> last summer, and I turned up like gross. And when I arrived, I was like, "I won't hug you because I'm sweating." She was like, oof good." And it turns out actually she hates hugs and touching other people, oh, and she's really like yeah. she would never eat something off the floor, or whatever. But anyway, as we were talking, she said some of my friends get five times more done in a day than I would, but they always let themselves down with their hair. And like she gets her hair done, That's or she has, so she funny. does her hair, which obviously takes she takes yeah. ages over every day, and. We laughed because obviously there's a point she's making there because I'm getting a lot done that day, but look at the state yeah. of my hair. Like, basically, it was a big old slab. You know my what? great big curly, like, thatch of a wild nest of hair next to this perfect hair. And I was like, it's just perfect. But I wasn't offended no. by that. I have got yeah. wild hair. I don't care. I've, I, I'm i i one of those people that gets five times more yeah. done in a day than her. And Also, I think as much as I've said, I've just chosen to be someone who's more productive I am trying to be not less productive, but have less Switch in my day. Off. Yeah, just have less in my day. You just, I'm honestly, it's my New Year's resolution is to do less. Yeah, which sounds ridiculous, no. and already it's proving so effective.
0: If really? I give myself
2: three things to do in a day, and you end up with a spare half hour, yeah. I'm happier. I'm finishing big tasks, not just chipping away at small yeah. things that take five minutes. Honestly, I'm trying to leave a day a week, which is a working day, but where there's no meetings in the diary. Also, I'm trying to travel a bit less. Where are you traveling? Just with work? Well, no, I travel a lot for work, and I kind of have to travel a lot for work. But like, it's really nice to have. Like, well, thank you so much for coming here. But like today and tomorrow, I'm not even popping into town for a meeting. Oh yeah, but it does. It it takes a lot out of your day. Well, it takes ages out of your day. But also, I'll find I'll. I'll read my phone all the way to the train, and then I'll yeah. listen to something on the train, or I'll read something. And I'm never not, you know, I, 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 I don't feel like I've got time to just sit yeah. in transit to places. Yeah. And um, just just not being that traveling means you can be focused on the thing that's happening to you as it's happening so much more easily than if you're breaking your day up with little bits of movement travelling all the time.
1: But I think that is self-employed thing, because I get yeah. this, where you, I'll do this, I'll go to meet, all my friends, because I work from home, will think that you almost don't do anything. Yeah. Whereas, so what happens is, if you go to work and you've got, like, a nine-to-five job, you leave in the morning and you get there and you stay there all mm. day, whereas what you do is probably, what, like, what I'll do is also, because I do so many random things, that are like, oh, the PT client... In Clapham Junction, and then I'll go record a podcast in North London, and then I'll have a meeting in Central London, and none of those things are to do the same. Yes. And then I haven't actually done any of the shit I need to do. Yeah. Which is all my emails. Yeah, yeah And yeah. then you're up at weird times. Yeah, doing the just no routine.
2: Emotional fatberg of admin yeah. done. Yeah, shipped away at.
1: I can't bear it. The other thing I do though, which is my priority, is I wake up really early so I can have a nap oh lovely (laughs) Mm, that is because naps really help me Mm. so I'll get up well I say really early I'll try and get up at like 6 yeah that's really and then at 3 I have a nap but I'd rather do that than sleep Mm. until 9 which I could do because no one's telling me to get up in the morning yeah and it's honestly the better way to live we've completely gone off on a tangent haven't
2: we it's a great (laughs) one very relevant tangent
1: yeah, I didn't know how we felt living up our here. best lives. Right. Okay. Adulting. So this is actually meant to be the whole podcast, although I've literally gone off the premise. But the premise is meant to be about what so so political and cultural factors of the fact that way we would grow up. Right. Um. And I think that pretty much everyone who follows me will, if they followed me from Instagram, would have had some kind of relationship with food or yes. their body that has made them. has impacted the choices that they've made. I definitely had that. I mean, I wouldn't mm. even be in my career if I hadn't at some point been like. I'd a really asshole boyfriend. I'm going to get a personal trainer, which, yeah. in a funny way, is an amazing thing that happened. So thanks to that ex.
2: We push to failure, yeah, and from that we grow stronger and different. Yes, we kind of sometimes you need to go through. I think that's one feeling I have about like um, this kind of the, this movement towards safe spaces and stuff. Yeah. I'm not 100 percent down with it because um, I'm talk about this in my new show a bit. I think um, I, I, I and 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 complete inclusivity. Obviously, I want everybody to yeah. be welcome in. Uh, in most environments, but certainly in terms of, like, comedy, especially. Um, But just the world, it's not a safe space. And I think sometimes we should be upset by things. Yeah. And that's how we grow. Because I think if you are always safe, you're not really challenging yourself. You're not looking at opinions outside of yours. And that genuinely, genuinely reaching outside of your bubble of people who've had, in terms of your life experience, and only really talking to people who you already agree with um, means that you are safe from people with really disgusting opinions. But unless you are really listening to people, even the people with horrible opinions, I don't think you're really growing. Yeah. And I think you need to be broken sometimes. It will happen to you even if you're only moving in as safe a spaces as you ever want by heartbreak or grief. You know, yeah. there are ways in which just through living, the world isn't safe um and it's only when actually you get completely knocked to pieces it's so awful and people who get knocked to pieces again and again and again you know i'm not advocating that but ultimately i think there's so much to be gained in terms of you're just becoming a person when because our cells will go away yeah. and we become completely new we 15 years ago we were completely different cells we've got less in common yeah. with our physical self from 15 years ago as we do with like our own bubble hat yeah. that's got some cells on it that at least are do know what
1: you, as you're saying that it's just made me think it's like you know when people don't let their kids t- they wash their hands too much mm. and they don't let them get any germs and then they just get ill yeah. it's the same thing if you're not exposed to germs or yeah. bad things then i think it actually does do your disservice i do agree with that and weirdly all the worst things have ever happened to me like when i had a really bad like domestic abuse boyfriend all the stuff funnily enough the best things came out of those awful times yeah I don't know if that's just me putting a positive spin on it. Or if genuinely going through some tragedy built does give you that... Resist- it's like scar tissue and then you get stronger. Yours, I
2: just think if it... I've started... To, I don't know why. It's because I'm looking at some Duplo right now. But you, <laughs> we're kind of... We're... we're, we're we're fragile yeah let's have our hands up and say we're fragile we're not all strong we're kind of i'd like to think of it at the moment as being like made of lego and every now and again someone will punch you emotionally and bits of the Lego will shatter off everywhere and you don't get to rebuild it exactly the same as it was before yeah Um, and it doesn't necessarily make it better sometimes it will make it better but it will always make it different and that's
1: exciting yeah so true that's being human i love that that was great where can people find more of your great, great, great chat? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a lovely way of
2: putting it. Um, I've got a podcast called Hoovering that's on ACAST as well, um, or in all the places where you might find your podcasts. And I'm um, stand up. Come see me do some stand up.
1: What's right. your next show?
2: Uh, my next show is c- called. When is my next show? Or what oh, is both. My next show is called Hench, and I'm previewing it now. And um, all my dates for gigs, and I must add from April onwards, actually, are on my website, com.
1: Where are you pre- Can I come to a preview? I'd love that. Oh, my God, please. Yeah. Amazing.
2: Oh, yeah oh wow. yeah do but okay. like it's got a long it's got quite a way to go <laughs> and that's so, fine
1: yeah, okay, great. <laughs> amazing it's in august
2: so it has to be ready okay but that's I mean, nice. it's fun to see a work in progress You'll yeah to definitely see all, like, the working out
1: i love that <laughs> um thank you so much for listening guys and if you want to find jessica i will tag you as well in my below box thingy what is it called comment section yeah
2: I don't know. Don't so that we can
1: find you online. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And I will also put a link up to when I'm in your podcast because yes. I'm on Hoovering. Yes. yes. Amazing. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. You can say bye. Oh, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>